I'm James Hahn II. And I'm Mark McCor. And you're listening to This Week in Oil and Gas. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Episode 21. I'm feeling a little, a little salty, Mr. Mr. LaCour. How about you? Yeah, I'm not quite sure I'm salty, but I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I, I, I'm feeling a little salty. Maybe it's because I'm, I'm 21 now, right? Yeah, James, you're a bit older than 21. But this is our 21st episode, so it's <laughs> awesome. Congratulations. Any any excuse to lick salt in in limes and tequila, right? Uh, don't get me started. <laughs> I was watching a comedian last night. He was talking about about all of these all of these uh, companies trying to advertise smooth tequila as smooth as 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 if anything smooth ever happened as the result of tequila. Yeah, I um I um I overdid it on the tequila and lime and salt over 20 years ago when I got married for my bachelor party to this day I still can't stand the smell of tequila. <laughs> well, I overdid it on everything and it's been since since 2003, so I I got all the tequila in. Anyway, <laughs> I'm James Todd II from TribeRocket.com. We are brand architects for next generation oil field leaders. What about you, Mr. LaCour? Yeah, Mark LaCour from Modal Point. We are the oil and gas sales experts. Yes, and and we don't we don't we don't talk about alcohol and, and drugs and, and booze and women all the time. We just, we just did the first thirty seconds of the show. I, I I was saying not all the time, just most of the time. All right, let's get to it. <laughs> President Obama addresses Iran deal. Yeah, so this is this is major. This has been going on for a while. Now, a lot of people, and I don't, I'm not going to get into politics here, but a lot of people on the on the right side of the fence um, have an issue with this. And I've actually read the the the, um, the proclamations uh, in detail. So I, you know, and, I, and I'm no nuclear weapons expert, but the the amount of rigor it's put here, I think, is very strong. Um, of course, down the road is whether we can enforce any of this and whether they're allowed inspections. But from the oil and gas point of view, let me tell you what's really going on. So right now in the Middle East, the U.S. basically has two allies, two friends, right? We have uh, Israel and we have um, Saudi Arabia. Um, that's good, but we need more. And the U.S. has a long history of taking people that were once enemies and turn them into friends. Think about Germany and Japan. Not that long ago, we were bombing them to death. Now they're our best buds on the, on the global arena. Um, we're starting to do the same thing right now with Cuba. And that's what the administration is doing here. We are actually looking to help um, get Iran's um, economy back rolling because it's been suppressed because of uh, we haven't been allowed them to export crude. And long-term-wise, it's to give us another ally if this thing works out in the Middle East, which I actually think is a good thing. Uh, one of the things you'll hear people talk about is to go, uh, destroy the price of crude, and that's not going to happen. Uh, this is something that we figured in that would happen. It's going to keep the price of crude low uh, till next year, but by middle of next year, we'll be back up to 70 or $75 a barrel. Yeah, we talked about that last episode in terms of, of them flooding the market with two days' worth of our consumption. Yeah, it, it's not going to happen. It's um, But having a, another ally, and, and also just as importantly, if not more importantly, having it to be our ally instead of Russia's ally in the Middle East is huge. That is a historical and historical perspective that I have not considered, but it is a, a phenomenal point because in the in the arc of American history, and and far be it for me to to be heaping praise upon our our, our venerable leader, uh, the monarch, Mr. Obama. But, but you got to give credit where it's due. And if, if that ends up working out in that way that you just explained, that, that will be a lasting 
win for everybody. Yeah, no, so absolutely. This is something that I think is a great thing for the United States, regardless of what your political um, alliance is. And it's actually long term wise is a good thing for the oil and gas industry. Um, Iran does not have the ability to build the facilities they need to actually go in and develop their reservoirs. So guess who has to come there and help them? Us. So guess who's going to benefit? The, our service companies. So this is long term wise and short term wise. This could be a very good thing. All right, so we're going from what could be a very good thing to something that fell flat. Historic Mexican offshore oil block auction didn't really go as planned. What happened? Uh, a bunch of things happened. So um, there's still enough corruption in Pemex where the big U.S. players um, are a little bit hesitant. And then we've actually had some um, cartel fighting right on the Texas-Mexican border, which doesn't make you feel uh, very happy about having to do business over there. And you don't want your drill rigs taken hostage or any of that sort of stuff. And so the big guys, Exxon, Chevron, Total, just basically backed out of this. And they would have been the ones that had driven the block prices up. So you had some smaller players go bid on some stuff out there. Mexico's in a weird place. They have a lot of reservoirs, a lot of good reservoirs, but they don't have the technical ability to get that oil out of the ground. And they need our help. They're, they're, um, Production has been declining for, I don't know, 13 or 14 years. And without our technical help, they're not going to be able to do anything with it. So, um, you know, the president had off to, hats off to uh, Pina Nito, who a while back got some legislation passed, which took away some of the rights from the state-sponsored um, Pemex, which is a national oil company, and allowed them to actually auction off um, to outside parties. Up until he changed those federal laws, no other entity could touch Mexican oil. We could help, but we couldn't actually own it, which means we couldn't enjoy any of the profits. So um, this was a first round Savo. It didn't go how it should based upon several things. There'll be a couple other rounds, but you know, for, for Pemex and for Mexico and for the Mexican people, I really hope we get this thing right and we'll be able to bring in the U.S. oil and gas service companies and help get their economy rocking and rolling. That's an interesting point because I didn't know anything as most Americans who don't work in oil and gas about national oil companies and Knox and the level of corruption in certain countries, India, you know, there's there's certain countries where it's it's just hard. Do you have it's, a use case that you can point to where it was like, yeah, it was corrupt here. They cleaned that up. So, so that's actually of all places starting to happen in Nigeria. Um, which was the worst as far as corruption on the planet. Um, and because of the uh, financial benefits of actually cleaning things up, um, it's actually happened over there. And it's interesting. There's some side effects you would not have thought of. So one of the things is um, Bitcoin is taken off in, in Nigeria. And you go, what the heck does that have to do with oil and gas? Well, you know what? You can't make somebody go to the ATM with a gun to their head and take out Bitcoin. So the by changing the type of currency it's used, you've decrease the corruption because people can't hold you hostage, can't extort. You know, it's it's a totally digital currency. So you never would have seen that coming, but it's a way, it's a side effect of decreasing the corruption in Nigeria. Free markets, baby. I'm raising my hands right now in celebration for Bitcoin bringing free markets and and what, what that can do. <laughs> I would have never thought that Bitcoin could stop people from being held hostage. That's freaking awesome. Yep. All right. We've been talking about this for the last, you know, especially the last show. We, we really went hard on it. But this it's just funny to me that I saw this article now because it confirms exactly what we've been saying for weeks, uh, which is, hey, upstream guys, if you're laid off, go downstream. So we have a story right here from Fuel Fix, chemical plants and refineries hoping to hire laid off oil and gas engineers. 
Yeah, James, is it me or some of the large news organizations seem like they pay attention to our show and then go write their articles? They're, they're just biting our style, son. I, you know, but this is this is a, a great article about Fuel Fix talking about stuff that we've talked about before. Um, you know, basically where upstream's getting hammered and there are people being laid off and uh, jobs are being cut and downstream can't hire enough people. Um, and one of the, the quotes in here I love in here is this guy named uh, uh, Dyer who says, um, his name's Brandon Dyer. And he goes, you can't get candidates to leave Texas. And the reason you can't get candidates to leave Texas is because our economy is booming right now. Um, we have no state tax. You know, Upstream and the service companies that service upstream has taken a bit of hit. But downstream and, and the midstream guys are rocking and rolling. So um, you know, good article talking about some real numbers. And also touched a little bit on the cultural part where if you've grown up in upstream, you don't even consider thinking of looking downstream for a job, although there's thousands of jobs down there. Yeah, there, there's some there's some big numbers mentioned in this article and and 30 and 45 force. I don't know. It, the, the point is that there's a heck of a lot of jobs out there, guys. And go downstream, go midstream. You're needed as seeking alpha points out looking for value in the oil patch. Try the value chain. Talk to me. Yeah, um, this goes back to what I just said about are these people listening to our shows and writing our articles? So basically um, what Seeking Alpha is talking about is that um, a lot of money um, is not being made in upstream right now. Companies' EBITDAs and their amount of cash they have in is not great. But if you look at the value chain, if you look at downstream like the petrochemical, not just petrochemical refiners, but petrochemicals themselves, um, plastics, fertilizers, that's the place to actually cash in right now. And then they give a list of all the companies that do stuff like petrochemicals, like BASF, Dow, Lionel Basel, um, you know, Westlake Chemical, Huntsman, and, and they're absolutely right. I just do think it's kind of funny that you and I s appear to either have a crystal ball um, or a time machine. But but don't make any stock picks based off of what we're saying, folks. Uh, yep, we're not stock experts. We're not. And we're also not engineers because look at the lines. <laughs> that had to have been drawn by an engineer because only yeah, an engineer. Folks, go, go, go ahead and look in the show notes. Um, yeah. Tryrocket.com forward slash TW21. And uh, yeah, the, the correlations are amusing to say the least. All right. Imports and exports. ConocoPhillips did an awesome sort of infographic, um, you know, conversation piece about uh, actually from the chairman and CEO, Ryan Lance. And and he had a lot of great things to say. So so tell us about it. And yeah, this is one of the things that we've been predicting all year is going to actually happen, that we're actually going to lift the export man. And we, we've talked about the reasons why before, but I'm going to go over them real quick. Uh, basically, the crudes that we produce in the U.S. are sweet. They're light. Most of our refineries are set up to refine sour or heavy crudes. So therefore, we can't really effectively refine our own crudes. Um, now, if we lift the export ban, our, our um, operators can then sell these sweet crudes to countries that can refine them effectively, such as Central and South America, which would make more money for them. And then we can just buy um, the heavy crudes from, from um, you know, the Middle East or Canada or whatever that our refineries love, which will make more money for us. And the overarching common thing is it will lower fuel prices for the consumers everywhere here in the U.S. and Central and South America. So it's a good thing. It was a 1970s law that wasn't well thought out. It needs to be repelled. And this is just an excellent factual article. Now, I do grant this was done by ConocoPhillips, who has a bias. But this article, I don't read any bias, and it's just facts. And it's, it's a great article showing why we need to lift the export ban. So one question that comes to mind while you're saying all that, it, because I've heard you say it a few times about how our refineries aren't made. What 
sort of headache or just complete overhaul would it take for our refineries to be able to do that job? I mean, is that just ridiculous? Because it would take it would be like switching out the engine in every Ford that's ever been made or something or like what's the scale of something like that? It's a massive scale. I'm not sure it's the scale of switching up the engine every Ford that's ever been made. Um, but there, there's two parts to it. So there's actual initial cost to do that retrofit, to, to change out a bunch of parts and pieces in the refinery. But here's the second part of it. What if you're the guy at Valero who makes that decision, right? You just spent 10 to $40 billion with the B dollars of your, co- of your company's money. Oh, my. And what if, what if the next week the country lifts the export ban? You've just wasted 10 to $80 billion of your company's money. It's a big risk. So um, that political uncertainty, are we going to lift the export rate or are we not, is, is something that's driving this. Um, the refineries don't know. They wish they did know. They wish somebody would come out and say, we're not going to ever lift it or we would lift it. And then they could use common business risk analysis and do the right thing. Uh, but it is, it is a substantial investment. And there are some refineries that have actually already done it. Uh, unfortunately, if we lift the export ban, that means they probably made the wrong choice. Yeah, so... It's called retrofitting then. Yes. Retrofitting, yeah. I'm I'm not looking to put my head on the line for, for forty billion dollars. Just that's just me. I don't know about y'all out there. <laughs> but that's a bit I'm I'm not very risk averse, but that's a bit risky. All right, on to ExxonMobil doing some community relations. You had tweeted this and it got uh, quite a bit of engagement. So what's going on here? Yeah, so this is part of a bigger picture. Um, a lot of people know Exxon is a big old ship. You know, they're the largest oil and gas industry on the planet. They're enormous. Uh, they're typically one of the largest companies in the world. Um, they're all over the place. But what you never hear is about the stuff they do for the communities, right? And they don't do this for the PR. Um, they don't do this um, to make the environmental activists happy. They do this because it's the right thing. When Exxon get involved, gets involved in local community, they go out and ask, what are you struggling with? Is it education? We'll build schools. Is it health? We'll get rid of the mosquitoes. Um, Exxon is the largest fighter against malaria in the world. If you take all of the medical institutions together, they're about 60% of the spend of fighting malaria that Exxon does. And why does Exxon do that? To help its people. So um, this is a great article about um, their work in New Guinea, how they work with local communities on a regular basis to make sure that the prosperity is shared amongst all, not just the operator, not just Exxon, but the communities that they operate in. And, and on this on this page, which will, again, be linked in the show notes at triberocket.com forward slash TW21, there's a PDF that goes along, and it's it's quite lengthy. And the amount of things that they put back into the community are amazing. But, the, the, but what comes to mind for me right now is the market research that you helped me do last weekend, Mark, where I went through Oxy, ConocoPhillips. Uh, let's see, I got the list right here. Oxy, ConocoPhillips, Wedding Petroleum, Hess Corporation, Continental Resources, and EOG. I, I read all of their annual reports and all of their letters to investors. And now that you say what you said about Exxon in the communities – all of their CEOs hit on this as a major point across the board. Right. And it is for the industry as a whole. This industry is not a short-term industry, right? These projects take 20 to 50 years from first oil to decommissioning. The local people need to be involved. They need to prosper from this. We need to make sure that we don't harm the environment. We need to make this world a better place. And almost all of the oil and gas industries, oil and gas companies, especially American Europeans do this, but they don't honk their own horn. Um, AIDS, the battle against AIDS is going to be won because of Chevron. You don't ever hear that in the news. Um, it's The industry as a whole is very plugged in into making sure the local communities 
uh, and economies they work in benefit so that everybody benefits. And that's a point that I have to jump in on being the brand architect and digital marketing kind of guy that I am. That is a shame to me that more people don't know that story. And the reason that they don't know it is because it's hidden in a PDF that Google cannot scan and rank for a search engine. And I understand the, the we don't want to toot our own horn thing, but, you know, I had I had lunch with David Blackman. He's the director of government relations at Lynn Energy a few weeks ago because he's involved in a few different associations. And and one he, he spoke at the American Petroleum Institute. And one of the points that he made was, oh, it would cost so much money for us to to get this word out and the truth is no it wouldn't how many how many members does the society of petroleum engineers have oh i globally i have thousands 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 just in the gulf coast right it and and so and so if you got i don't know 10 percent of them to write an article and then search engine optimize those articles you know how quickly the industry could outrank every environmentalist activist there is yeah, it's um, so that's part of it. The old fashioned is not abrasing social um, media. The other part of it is the industry as a whole does not like to talk about the good it does. And I actually have a problem with that. So, you know, me, um, I'm the guy that won't talk politics, but if I have an environmentalist say something that's wrong, I'll stop them and say, no, you're wrong. Right. I'm the guy that's out there telling the young kids that your iPhone is in your hand wouldn't exist without the pla- thermoplastics and oil and gas industry. So I'm, I'm, I'm starting to see the industry change a little bit. Let's hope it continues to go down that route and starts telling the good story about oil and gas to the public. Absolutely. As I always say, absolutely. <laughs> the Schilling UHD3 interviewing uh, interview with Tyler Schilling, president over there at Ye Old FMC Technologies. Yeah, so Tyler Sheelan is a genius. If the folks don't know what an ROV is, a remote operated vehicle, and he started this company called Sheelan Robotics, some of the most high-tech underwater ROVs on the planet. And their stuff was so good that FMC, who builds subsea trees and pipelines and plets and manifolds, had used his ROVs for years, and eventually they go, you know what, we're just going to buy the company because their stuff is so good. Um, he's a great guy. Uh, he's now working for FMC for the Schilling Robotics Division, and this is just an article about their latest technology upgrade, and their latest technology upgrade is unbelievable. This ROV can autonomously, which means nobody needs to operate it, go down there and do almost all the work that needs to be done. And if you think about that, how many lives you're protecting that there, you don't have um, – you know, saturation divers down there, or you don't have, you know, people manning topside where the ROV is going down there and doing the dangerous work on the, on the subsea floor. Um, great guy, great company, and it's just, it's just a really good article. That's boosting those HS&E metrics that we talked about last weekend as well. Yep. All right. So, um, yeah, that also, also reminds me of that old Jaws game. I don't know if anybody played that on Nintendo back in the day when you go in your little sub. <laughs> but anyway... Gulf Coast LNG is ready for the world by my man, Mr. Bob Black. I love Bob Black. He is a Texan, ladies and gentlemen. If you ever want to meet a Texan, hit me up. I'm going to introduce you to Bob Black. He's the man. Anyway, so what is he talking about here on this Drilling Info blog? So this is a bunch of things that basically boils down to a few critical entries. So last week it was the first time that natural gas has, ever, has overtaken coal as the biggest U.S. electrical uh, source, fuel source, which is awesome, right? Automatically out the gate, 50% cleaner. Um, it's much cheaper, a win-win for everybody. But we have so much extra gas besides the stuff that we're burning ourselves is that we can export it. In order to export it, you can't ship it as a gas. It just doesn't work. So you have to mush it down to a liquid. 
Um, and that's a technical term, mush it. Um, and, and there's several ways to do that, right? There's liquefied natural gas, compressed natural gas, gas to liquids. And he's talking about liquefied natural gas or LNG. And the LNG um, mecca of plants being built for exports is the Gulf Coast, basically our backyard. And he's talking about how there's been a bunch of facilities approved. He talks about FERC, which is the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, has approved a whole bunch of um, LNG plants. And it's, think about this, right? So we're automatically helping the environment in the U.S. We're automatically helping our operators because we're buying their gas. We're automatically helping the world because we're shipping this gas to countries to use for fuel instead of coal. So we're helping their environment. We're helping our local workers who have to build all these LNG plants. And then we're helping our workers that have to maintain and run these plants. So, I mean, it's just a great win-win for everybody story. I love it. And once again, I love Bob Black. I must now, because I always, I keep forgetting, we have to pay these bills, Mr. LaCour. You ready to pay these bills? Let's do it. Many of y'all listening to this show are small business owners in the oil field, just like Mark and I. Whether you're upstream, pushing through the downtimes, midstream, fighting for market share, downstream, trying to move inventory, or small service company looking to boost sales, we all need Revenue. Like any skill, growing a business isn't easy. It takes persistence, patience, tenacity, and guidance. And that's why starting in September, TriRocket is launching Oilfield Revenue University. Discover how to drive website traffic, leads, and sales on a scale that was only once available to industry giants. These are the same strategies I used to build. We are just talking about them, Drilling Info's online platform, and the same tactics Mark LaCour our venerable co-host, used to completely transform his business. Modal Point went from having a team of cold callers who pounded the phones trying to get their foot in the door to doing zero outbound calls. He fired his cold callers, and now he's has two, as we learned in the last episode, two sales guys uh, handling all of his inbound leads. Uh, one of those leads happened to be the largest dealing company, History 10X, his average deal size props to you, Mr. LaCour, for making that happen. Props to you for showing me how to make it happen. Absolutely. Damn it, I got to replace that word. All right. <laughs> Learn how to maximize and convert trade show leads. Create print ads that get results. Rapidly grow your email list. I just sent Mark an email about that right right before the show. He, he's got to apologize to me. Anyway. <laughs> and take out billion... Uh, I'm sorry, rapidly grow your email list and take out billion-dollar competitors by ranking first on Google for search phrases across your oil field niche. For more information, visit tribrocket.com forward slash TWRevenue, Oilfield Revenue University, a proven step-by-step guide to exponential revenue growth for small oil field businesses. Again, go to tribrocket.com forward slash TWRevenue to learn more. That's tribrocket.com forward slash TWRevenue. Moving on to our weekly onion Every comment on Immaculate Reception YouTube, clearly from Franco Harris. Yeah, it was actually pretty funny. I watched it myself, folks. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Well, the the article itself doesn't have the video, but I'm gonna play it right now um, because this is for all of our all of our brothers and sisters up there in the Marcellus Shale. This is Pittsburgh Dad teaching Sunday school, and he's got something to say about Franco Harris. Well, you can just call me Sir. You don't even know my last name. They didn't use last names in the Bible. Just went by where they were from or, or their job. Jesus of Nazareth. Pontius the Pilate. <laughs> a saint is somebody that performs miracles, like Mother Teresa or Franco Harris. <laughs> All right, that's enough of that. Going down in our PNC. Events. 
TribeRocket.com forward slash events is going to get you straight to Mr. LaCour's um, email opt-in where you can get a uh, once a month, you can get all of the everything, everything that's happening across across the globe, actually. And in terms of events, what we have coming up is Urtech. We talked about that last week, the Unconventional Resources Technology Conference. That's brought to you by SPG, AAPG, and SEG, because <laughs> we need more Very acronyms. Good. Uh, that is going to be July uh, 20 through the 22nd. So by the time you hear this, you'll have a little bit more time to get down there to San Antonio. Also, you have a little more time to get to the Texas Oilfield Expo, which is coming up in two weeks, July 29th through 30th in San Antonio, also at the Henry B. Gonzalez uh, Convention Center. I wanted to talk about these two real quick because we're running long. Um, Houston 2040 uh, Junior League, what's going on? So this is some uh, very bright people talking about what is the business model of Houston going to look out up out until 2040. Um, so it, it was actually interesting to me. I wish I could join. I'm not going to be able to because I have a prior commitment. But if you do business in Houston or thinking about doing business in Houston, this is probably worth your attending. I'm going to check it out. All right. So uh, some more acronyms, TYP, MTS, and SUT Networking Social. Yeah, that's that Society for Underwater Technology. This is always a great – if you're in the subsea world, this is a great way to go network. The thing I love about SUT, it's a, it's a bunch of young people and, and a bunch of millennials in the subsea world that do these events. So, um, you know, totally okay if you're 40-plus, but it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's a great way to meet a lot of the millennials, a lot of the young engineers in the subsea world. So, always a great time. They're at the House of Blues this time. Can be some, some, some women down there? <laughs> what? Can be some women down there? Yes, there will be some female engineers there. <laughs> um, all right, that's at the House of Blues, July twenty third, and um, and the aforementioned uh, priorly whatever, the one I just talked about, uh, Tuesday, July twenty first is the Junior League. All right, we uh, if if you are one of the three thousand plus people that's connected to me or Mark on uh, on LinkedIn, you just got an invitation to join this week in oil and gas's LinkedIn group. If you're not connected with us, go to triberocket.com forward slash LinkedIn and join that group because it's taken off, baby. Yeah, folks, we're, we're this is not going to be the normal spammy email group. We don't like spammers; we won't let them in. But this is going to be me, James, and your peers helping you, right? Showing you, giving you direction. We're having great discussions. Maybe some insight that you didn't know. Maybe sharing contacts. So, if you have an interest in oil and gas industry, go join our LinkedIn group. All right, that's at triberocket.com forward slash LinkedIn. And we also uh, need some more reviews so that we can get up in the search rankings in in the in the search engine that is iTunes. So, tell them about it, Mark. Yeah, folks, look, James and I, I know it sounds like this is easy. We actually put a lot of work in the show. You don't hear all the frustrating moments and the bad mics and bad connections. And They only know, hear, they only hear the, the outtake at the end, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and we let you hear that part. There's a lot of stuff we don't let you hear. But <laughs> when we're cursing ask, at technology. Yeah, we don't ask anything, right? We do this for you. And so I'm going to ask you a favor. Will you spend two minutes and go to iTunes and leave us a review? This helps us immensely, and it helps us continue to produce this content for free for you, and also helps us spread the word to other people so that they will get benefit out of our content. So please, folks, two minutes, go to iTunes, give us a review. Please do. It's at triberocket.com forward slash TW review, triberocket.com forward slash TW review. That's going to take you right to the iTunes store um, where you'll, our, our episode, or I'm sorry, our show page, and you can either rate it or rate it and review uh, we would love a rate and review, and we have run extremely long, but I feel like we're getting great content, man. We, I, I just I feel like maybe we're going a little bit longer the last couple episodes because we got a lot to talk about. 
Yeah, maybe if our audience wants to give us a little feedback, you know, do you like this? Is it okay if we run a little bit further because our content's so good? Or do you want us to try to make sure we stick to that 20-minute format? We'd love to hear from you. Yes, please. Please let us know. Um, the, you can actually comment on the episode at tribrocket.com forward slash TW21, tribrocket.com forward slash TW21. Are you good with us going about 20, 27, 28 minutes uh, and change? Or do you want us to cut it back to the eighteen twenty where we started? So... Let us know. In the meantime, um, I, I've, I've got to I've got to get outside, man. It's a sunny day here in beautiful Houston, Texas. So get us out of here, Mark. Yeah, I got to go speak at the uh, Oil and Gas Entrepreneurs in a few minutes. I, so I know folks. I was going to plug that, but no one's <laughs> going to hear it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, so I'm looking forward to getting out the door to go see that. Yeah. So, uh, folks, do great work. Pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Go find some grease, guys. I'm James Hahn the second. And I'm Mark LaCour. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> okay, we gotta restart.